For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast uh, highlighting the weird, funny, and bizarre elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm thrilled to reintroduce my uh, international co-host, Brandon Riddle, to the show. Brandon, happy opening day. Happy opening day, Noah. This is the best, the best day, the best holiday of the year. Um, I love it. We made it. I it, it was touch and uh, go for for a second for a while there. It was touch and go. I was but concerned. We made it. I was concerned. We made we it. We're going to make it. Yeah. And we're only a little late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and we're starting the season off, and I am only a little mad at you, Noah. Why are um, you mad at me? <laughs> because we, I had my I'm fancy nervous. draft um, oh, right. last week. Uh, you, you know this, but for the, for, the, for the fans at home, we had an episode on Seiya Suzuki, which I thought was going to air like a week or two from now. And <laughs> I thought, you know what? He's going to be my good pick. I'm going to save him for the later rounds and just pick him up. And no one's going to know. Until Noah posted it and somebody <laughs> in my league happens to listen to the podcast. He snatched him right before me. And I was so angry. In my defense, I just really liked that episode. And so I was, I was anxious to get it up. I really liked it. And and if it makes you feel any better, I did not get say it either. Uh, even before the podcast, it was one of those things where like my buddy drafted him and didn't know who he was. And then as mm. soon as I was like, hey, you want to trade him to me? He's like, no, he's good. That means he's good. I'm like, Ugh, the stop. Worst. That's stop like i just i just he could be terrible like we don't know we we just, don't know if he's him. good or yeah. not like i just i just would like to be along for the ride <sighs> that's all but I anyway <laughs> neither of us got say a suzuki so uh maybe we'll just stick to talking about players that are retired <laughs> yes yeah that's in the wheelhouse let's do that <laughs> right all right let's let's do that today why not what do we got going on today in the rundown well today of course we're talking a bit about opening day um instead of a pickoff trivia we have a bit of opening day fun oh yeah uh, we're talking about a <laughs> Good callback. Uh, we're talking about a definitely retired player, Jim Abbott, who is great. If you don't know the name, you're about to. And then we're going to wrap up today, of course, with some pickle jar. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, I just, before we get into all that, I'd just like to say we're about, this is uh, more or less, our, our, this is our 44th episode. And... I feel like I feel like in terms of inside jokes, the only one we have so far is is the Macho Man Randy Savage voice, which is killer. I feel like that's that more than makes up for that being our only inside joke. I just like to sprinkle that in sometimes. That, that's fair, and I just absolutely butcher. <laughs> I, I butcher it, so I, I don't even try anymore. No, nah, no, nah, I like yours. I mean, there's no way to do it right unless you're Macho Man Randy Savage. But that's anyway, really it is opening day. Uh, optimism is in the air. Uh, nobody's been eliminated. Okay, well, I was trying to. I was gonna. I was gonna say like nobody's been eliminated yet. You know, the playoff chase is on. Uh, how are you feeling? Just, just. I mean, you touched on it a little bit. I'm feeling great. I I just love that I get to watch baseball. You know, technically, bad baseball is better than no baseball, and <laughs> it just makes me happy to watch. So I'm on board. I'm right? ready to watch all these storylines play out, and I am going to watch my team play in about an hour from now, so I'm very excited. Ooh, I, I wish I was there with you, but uh, Dodgers play tomorrow, but I get to see Otani tonight, so that's yes. why we have to rush through this episode <laughs> so we can watch Shohei. Uh, anyway, uh, with opening day, you know, there is all that optimism. I figure good time to just call some sh- Call some shots yeah. for the year. Sound like Sean Connery. Uh, call some shots. Uh, so why don't you and me, we'll just go back and forth, uh, take real quick guesses. It's just like, sure. you know, MVP, Cy Young, and then our eventual winners. 
would you like to go first? Uh, you can start. We'll just talk MVPs, AL, MVPs? NL. Okay. Um, AL first, NL first. What are you feeling? Uh, either one. I think NL is okay. the best, you know. NL is the best, even though DH go. is a thing. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go. <laughs> We're so petty. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's on brand for us. <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. And for MVP in the NL, I think I'm going to go with Austin Riley. I think he's going to break out really? and destroy the league. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Okay. I like it. What do you, what's your little, little background behind that? Um, or is it just like, I like Austin Riley. I like Austin Riley a lot. Um, he's my third baseman on my fantasy team and I kind of need him to have a big year. <laughs> hey, that's, that's fair. You want, you want, uh, your guys to succeed. So you yeah, can you're succeed. not coming to short hops for fantasy advice people. <laughs> oh gosh, man. That, mm. Um, okay. Okay. So that's your, your NL MVP. Uh, mm-hmm. my national league MVP. I gotta go Juan Soto. Soto. How do you not go with the childish uh, Bambino? You greatest, love greatest, name. greatest nickname in sports today. I childish Bambino. Love- I also just love he's Juan Snow, though. He's cool. Yeah, he's so much fun. Okay, okay. So we got right, you, NL MVP. Right, who you got AL. for AL? You, AL, you first here. Uh, little hot take here. Uh, oh, man, and I kind of want to throw up in my mouth, depending on what, you know. Knowing the team he's on, I'm going with Jordan Alvarez. Really? I love Jordan Alvarez. One, because, you know, his hands are clean of any any 2017 residual yeah, trauma that, that's echoing in my mind. Uh, Jordan is just a fun player. He he just hits hits tanks. He can't really run very well, but you don't need to run to jog around the bases, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like he had that amazing uh, rookie season in 2019, and everyone kind of just forgot about him. Like, like, I mean, and for good reason, he was yeah, out. Happens. Like, I think out all of, like, 2020 with, with knee issues or, mm-hmm. or something. Um, I might also have my years one off here, now that I'm saying it. Um, but yeah, Jordan Alvarez, uh, he's going to hit for average. He's going to hit like 30 ish home runs. I, I love Jordan, uh, for, for AL MVP. He's my, my, my sleeper pick. What about you? Um, so of course I think Trout has a bounce back year and yes, destroys the league. Uh, but in my soul, besides Trout and Otani, I really want Franco, uh, Wanda Franco. Wanda Franco. Come up okay. Big. Okay. Uh, love his style. And not a young guy. Yeah. I, I would love to see, you know, this phenom just tear the league up for the next 15 years, starting I, now. I got to be honest, I, I didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to watch him last year just because, you know, Rays, opposite yeah. coast, opposite league. Um, but I am I am looking forward to watching him, both him and just this new, really exciting pack of rookies that we have coming up. And I guess we could use that as a segue. Rookie of the year, who who do you have your eye on for, for the National League? Oh, man. I'd love to say Alec Thomas, but that's not going to happen. Um, and you go, who? Yeah. Um, Is it- <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know me too well. <laughs> um, I am actually not terribly sure about the rookie of the year. Okay. Um, we can come back to you if, if you want. Okay, yeah. Um, come, come back to me after I do a quick amount of research because yeah. my head's been elsewhere the last that's couple okay. of weeks. <laughs> You're busy. Uh, National League Rookie of the Year, I'm I'm keeping it to, uh, well, we're, we're missing out, Brandon, because I got Seiya uh, Suzuki. So oh, I, I, I got him. He's uh, He just is a really cool player. We talked all about him uh, last episode or two episodes ago, I think. Uh, so if you haven't heard that, please go check it out and uh, get ready for some uh, – some really cool baseball going on at Wrigley. Did I buy you enough time? You did. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, now I'm looking at the names. I remember doing all this research now, remembering who they are. Um, I, I feel somehow 
that like Joey Bart's going to show up big for the Giants because they have that is shenanigan he, magic. He's still technically a rookie, right? He didn't. Yeah. Didn't. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel. I feel like that's a good pick. He's a very. I feel like the those guys, uh, Joey Bart, uh, Joe Adele, and Gavin Lux don't really fit into that because they aren't technically rookies anymore. Right. But kind of like post hype rookies or sophomore, mm-hmm. they're kind of comfortable you know, in the league. Yeah, at the they're West. like. They're like post being a top prospect, uh, but they haven't really done anything at the major mm-hmm. league level yet. I, and, I like and, those guys. This yeah, year. And there's no one obviously in the way for Jury Bird anymore since. Uh, yeah, yeah. First first Buster season without retired. Buster feels weird. He's ready to go. All right, American League. I got you. Got to love him, Julio Rodriguez. He is oh, just a dynamo okay. out there. Uh, I don't know if, how much spring training you you caught, but that inside the park home run. I, I'm, it was love at first sight. Julio Rodriguez <laughs> is just such a cool guy. And also, if you haven't seen it, the Mariners posted a clip uh, of the meeting where he got called into the manager's yeah, office and called one. up to the majors. Uh, it's really touching. So please check that out. It'll make you feel good. Uh, I'm all aboard the Julio train. What about <laughs> you? I, I like let's be the obvious choice again. Spencer Torkelson. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just really have, have enjoyed following his story. And of course, with the Tigers, they need something fun to watch. So I'm rooting <laughs> for him hard. I mean, Tigers actually have a lot of fun players on their team. They got yeah. Javi Baez now. Uh, well, well, they got some fun pitching prospects. But Spencer Torkelson, is he he's first base or catcher? Uh, first base, I believe. First, first base, right? And oh, I'm thinking Adley Rushman's the catcher. Uh, very, very cool. I like that pick. Uh, and then finally, uh, Cy Young's. <laughs> uh, can you guess my Cy Young choice? Uh, uh, um, so my Cy Young for the AL. <laughs> who who's your who's your Cy Young pick for the NL? It's not Mookie Betts. It's Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller. Yep. I think he puts it all together this year. I actually put out a, I, I think Walker Bueller is, this is his year. Uh, last year I thought was also his year, but now I'm, I'm extra certain. <laughs> and, uh, but no, seriously, I think, I think, you know, he's one of very few guys along with Sandy Alcantara who can throw 200 innings this season. Uh, well, depending on how the Dodgers manage him but if he mm-hmm. can avoid his he's got this tendency to start slow he didn't do that last year and he ended up being i think he should have been a Cy Young finalist mlb got that wrong uh but i think i think he'll definitely at least i think he'll at least be top three i do think he wins Cy Young this year i i'm all okay. in on walker bueller um i think burns corbin burns goes back to back in Cy Young's this really year. i think Great. he does yeah, I mean, he was as good as you could get last year, so I can't, I can't hate on that. I mean, it's not like picking Robbie Ray to go back to back, right? That was my next pick, actually, because I love oh, Robbie no. Ray and I want him to be happy. <laughs> Is he your pick for AL? <laughs> yeah, man, I got to, I got to let four Diamondbacks whenever I can. I, th- I think okay, he puts fair. it all together again, and with new club Seattle, and um, go that's Robbie fair. Ray. <laughs> that sounds so sad. Go, I feel go Robbie Ray. Yeah, I just, I, I just can't get. He just strikes me as very inconsistent. But I, I don't want to oh, rain yeah. on your, Speaking on your parade. Uh, Al Cy Young, I'm gonna go with. I just feel like the NL so, so heavy on pitching talent that the Al Cy Young's much more of a anything up for grabs essentially i'm going with shane mcclanahan out of tampa bay i just the one issue with him is is he going to get the innings ah i think so uh he kind of they babied him a little last year but i think now is when they take the reins off and he looks really good so i'm going shane mcclanahan in the american league can you do shane mcclanahan in the uh, sean connery voice shane mcclanahan thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) all right um, okay, and then finally, who do you have for the pennants, uh, and who do you have for the World Series? 
You uh, can say the Dodgers. It's really uh, okay. I don't nobody's see the Dodgers. Nobody's gonna. <laughs> uh, Brewers. I'm gonna go with the Brewers. Brewers. I like that pick. It is mm-hmm. a sneaky, very good pick because I. The Brewers, as long as they get to the playoffs, they've got as good a shot at, as anyone with that pitching staff. You know, once you get to October, if you have oh, yeah. three, they've got three, four lights out arms. Oof, it's it's nasty. So uh, and they've got guys like Aaron Ashby, Eric Lauer, who or at least Aaron Ashby, really good players who might not even make the rotation. Like that's I think the Brewers, that's a great pick. I, I'm here for that. Who do you have in the American League? Oh, of course, my heart says go Angels. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I kind I, I kind of hate to say it, uh, but I, don't you no, say I, it? I, I'm not gonna say it. The, the Rays get through. Okay, I thought you were gonna say Houston, and I was oh, gonna. No, no, I, I was, that, I was no, gonna have a moment. No, it's it's gonna be someone out of the the East, whether it's uh, Tampa Bay or Toronto. Okay, I like that. the The East is amazing this year. And, uh, Toronto is gonna be so much fun to watch. Oh man, I can't. And wait. The Rays are always fun to watch. Ugh. I like the Rays because they're they're that team where it's like I don't know who these guys are, but you're gonna make it's gonna be fun. And you know, they know year. what they're they know what they're doing, and they make yeah. they make diamonds out of what a lot of people have thrown away. And it's it's really entertaining to watch how forward thinking they are and they're experimenting because they're really on the bleeding edge of. Yeah, it's, it's I I also really enjoy uh, when they sign the young players to like a ten year contract, for example, before they really prove themselves because <laughs> it's a huge discount number one. But it just did Wander get that. I, yeah, he did get like a he got one. I, I vaguely contract. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, wow. Imagine being like twenty years old and having a twelve-year contract. For, I was gonna say being retired. That's not true. They gotta actually go to work. But like being twenty years old and having three hundred million guaranteed. Just in your Ooh. back pocket. Yeah, that's Ooh. a good. That's a good security fund. I'd fall off my motorcycle too. Um, <laughs> Which one? Sorry. <laughs> American League. I have uh, the White Sox. I love the White Sox. They're yeah. so fun. They've been. They've been. So my American League team like allegiance kind of goes back and forth, but I I'm huge on the white Sox. really love the Mariners and the blue Jays too. So it's really uh, just what teams do we think are fun to watch? And we're rooting yeah, for them hard. Cause we fair. want that's, a fun world series. That's what this is about. This podcast isn't necessarily about like, who's actually good. Oh, who's got whatever, you know, percentile. What's WRC plus. I don't know. That's like the one stat we do use, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, seriously, like I, I want baseball to be fun. I want the playoffs to be as entertaining as possible. So I want the fun teams yeah, to be in. I would that's love... why I want Tony La Russa in the playoffs. Oh no. But Tim Anderson, <laughs> Tim Anderson, that man, he, he shines in the spotlight. Uh, and, and, uh, my, I think AL MVP runner up Luis Robert. Oh, um, I have one uh, last uh, 2020 question for you. 2022 question. Okay. Does Pujols get 700? Uh, he needs what, like 20? Yeah, like 21. I'm going to be fun. I'm going to say he does. I, I think that, you know, with the DH in the American, yeah, or excuse dude. me, the National League now, I, I think that, that that's going to be more opportunity. Does he deserve to bat fifth as he's slotted in today on he's opening day? Fifth? He's fifth or sixth? Oh. Uh, no. No, love that, love <laughs> I, that. But but Albert Pujols, I I really hope he does. That'd just be that'd be Me really too. cool. I would sign. I, honestly, like with the DH now, like depending on how he does this year, why not? Just 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 I rack mean, him up, uh, sign him for two so more years, see if he can re- go beat Barry. He's on a retirement <laughs> run. Um, isn't Miguel Cabrera's his last season as well? I mean, it's his contract to be right. Like yeah. it's it's so this yeah. is a big season for signoffs. You know, Yadi Wainwright. Pools. Yeah, I, I, it is really cool how how the old Cardinals are having their like last dance between Yachty Wainwright and Pujols. That's and really I fun. hope they lose in the playoffs. 
<laughs> you know they're gonna be like, like they, well okay I they're take gonna that be back. like below they're gonna be like five or six games below 500 entering september and they're gonna and they go on a 15 game win streak and yeah they i remember yep. that year <laughs> all right uh so that's american league you know who i have in the national league who do you have winning the world series oh um let's go well besides diamondbacks of course <laughs> extra let's credit go. you can you can include the number of games okay let's go uh Blue Jays over the Brewers um, in six. That is such a fun matchup. Right? That's that's really fun. That's what I'm I gonna, want to see. I'm going to pose my own fun matchup. Dodgers over the White Sox in five. Your fun, your fun matchup is like Pat? Dodgers versus anyone. Yes. It's, it's I, like, here's a, my, uh, it's honestly, like, here's a bunch of sauerkraut to eat. The ma- <laughs> sauerkraut catching a stray bullet. My honestly, one of the most fun, the one matchup I really, really want to see is Dodgers Yankees in the World Series because that would be fun for me and like me only. Everyone, I, I the majority just of baseball would hate it. Like meme with that cigarette, <laughs> he's leaning against the wall. That was my face just now. <laughs> it it just historically it would be so neat. It would be so would neat. Would you go? can get behind that historically. You're a big. You I know. would be rooting for the meteor. <laughs> okay that's fair i i I can't be mad at that uh but anyway opening day it's here we're clearly clearly very excited yeah opening day baby Um, all right so uh let's go into the past let's jump into the past a couple decades here so uh today uh you mentioned it at the top of the show but we are talking about a very very special player uh his name is jim abbott uh, you might have heard of him. Uh, maybe that's one of those names that you're like, oh, I don't know anything familiar. about him, but it sounds familiar, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's, he's as you'll see, one of the most inspirational stories in baseball history. Uh, Jim Abbott, born in Flint, Michigan, September 19th, 1967, to a couple of teenage parents. His dad, Mike, was a car salesman and a meat packer, and his mom, Kathy, was a student. That sounds like such like a Michigan person. I was a car salesman and a meat packer. I is... Actually, now that you mention it, that is probably the most Michigan you can yeah, get, it's right? Pure Michigan. Uh, but yeah, he had teenage parents. Both parents actually eventually went to college and started careers in oh. in uh, management and law, respectfully. Very, very cool. Uh, but uh, so Jim, he was actually born uh, without a right hand. His arm actually ended at the wrist. Uh, but his parents, regardless, they always tried to really encourage him and to give him like a a, a normal childhood, right? Uh, his dad, Mike, actually was quoted, and he said, uh, you know, we decided that if Jim wanted to play sports, then to to let him sure. try. Uh, he, I helped him out with some things, but in the end, it was all Jim. Uh, so they they really, they just wanted him to feel like a kid, right? Be a, be a normal, you know, child and have that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, they did try to encourage him to play soccer uh, where he didn't have to depend on his hand. Uh, but but Jim, Jim didn't want to play soccer. Jim wanted to play baseball good man yeah uh so obviously you know uh only having one hand in baseball that that takes a little bit of creativity so to to excel at the sport he had to really he had to learn how to essentially juggle his glove and throw all with his left hand now this took incredible coordination and his dad actually helped him to really develop and hone his signature technique for switching his glove so what he would do, uh, for those of you at home, there's also a video of this on YouTube too, uh, mm-hmm. if you want a better visualization. So Jim, he was a lefty, right? He, so he'd throw the ball with his left hand, uh, with his glove tucked under his right arm. 
And then as soon as he released the ball, he would quickly push his glove onto his throwing hand uh, so that he was ready to field. Uh, so it was like a very, very quick. And if you, you watch him, he gets it down very, very yeah, quickly, of course, because he's, he's been doing it his whole life. Right. Uh, but it's it's so fast that you it's it's almost hard to notice. Right. Uh, now, Jim, the other thing about Jim is he was he was good. He was really good. <laughs> He, uh, he, you know, he was a natural athlete. This is something I really didn't know. Uh, so going into this, I didn't know a ton about Jim Abbott, except for the event we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and just kind of like, I, I didn't know how, like how good he was. And I definitely didn't know he was six, three, 200 pounds. I didn't know like, either. I thought he was a smaller a, guy. That's a linebacker. I thought he was a smaller guy too. Uh, but, uh, so, so Jim was always really, he's always really talented, really athletic, uh, and just a natural at sports. He actually threw a no hitter in the first game he ever pitched in little league, Ooh. which, you know, that's cool. Uh, but however, despite his apparent talent, many uh, coaches and teams assume that his disability would keep him from the next level of competition, uh, you know, from Little League to high school, from high school to college, from college to the minors, and then eventually to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. He kept running up against these people that were saying, you know, wow, it's cool he's doing this here. It's inspirational, but there's no way he can hack it at the next level. Jim didn't take no for an answer. So, for example, the high school, his old high school coach didn't think he'd be able to field, uh, but Jim proved him wrong. He actually manned first base and the outfield when he wasn't pitching. Uh, And uh, so (laughs) and it it also took uh, quite a bit of resolve on his part. So like teams, when he would pitch, they would try to uh, I don't know if this is the right phrasing, but like kind of like go after his his disability. Take advantage of it. Exactly. Take advantage of of, you know, him only having one hand. So one time in college, for example, uh, one college coach, he was, Jim was on the mound. He told his first eight batters to bunt, uh, which honestly like <sighs> sucks. It does, <laughs> like, but at the same time, you kind of get what the coach was yeah, thinking. Cause I they got to win the game, they gotta but, win the game, but also but it's uncomfortable also sucks. Yeah. Uh, but so anyway, the first guy gets on base, but then Jim throws out the next seven guys on bun attempts. I got a question. That's baller. Yes. I got a question. Uh, at what point does the coach tell the batters to stop bunting when he gets seven in a row you would think after the first two after the first two or three i would (laughs) i would take away the bunt sign but that also wouldn't be the last time something like that happened uh something else about jim abbott he could also really wallop the ball uh wow i sounded so old just now Um, (laughs) he would he would wrap his right wrist around the bat and hold it with his left hand and he was good he had 427 with seven home runs in high school as a senior which is gnarly. That's great. Like, that's incredible. I, I bet and he had he, some real good bat flips, though. Oh, that must I have can been see cool. That. Uh, he also went 10-3 and three with a .76 area on the mound. So he was a stud. This is a top prospect, right? Yeah. And he's doing it with one hand. Uh, believe it or not, he was also his high school's backup <laughs> quarterback. Love that. Love he it. Threw for, so he was the backup, so only played in the last uh, three games of the, the year. But he threw for 600 yards and six touchdowns. This he also... Like- like he's like Jim Thorpe kind of like that's kind of the atm- like vibe I'm he's just at, he's just excelling at all mm-hmm. these athletic feats. He also averaged 37 and a half yards as the team's punter because why not? Yeah, let's do that too. <laughs> like he's he's just a stud. Uh, so like I said, he turned himself really into a top prospect with all this all this hard work, and he actually got drafted by the Blue Jays out of high school. Uh, they offered him fifty thousand dollars as a signing bonus, which he turned down to attend the University of Michigan. Uh, there, he uh, led the Wolverine rotation to a conference championship and actually earned a silver medal at the Pan American hey. Games as a member of Team USA. 
And then uh, he was also selected as the outstanding amateur athlete in the country. Now, this next quote is probably the most uh, like incredible thing. Like we're going to talk about some incredible stuff, but this kind of stands out to me. He beat out Ken Griffey Jr. for the Golden Spikes Award that goes to the most outstanding college player. Ken Griffey Jr. Ooh, lost to G- like 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 he also beat <laughs> Robin Ventura, Jack McDowell, very good major leaguers, some yeah. Hall of Fame names. And what's what's kind of almost odd, I want to say, is that when I think of Jim Abbott, I don't think somebody pitching in the eighties and nineties. I think of someone pitching in the late fifties, early sixties. Really, like in my mind, he just feels like a pitcher in the sixties. But here he is beating out Griffey, yeah, for the best it, young player. That, I, I got to be honest, I I did kind of think just like. You know, my interpretation of, of Jim Abbott from what little I knew, I kind of thought he was like a 70s pitcher. But yeah, so when I saw Ken Griffey maybe, Jr., I was like, wow, of Abbott. Abbott's. Like Abbott's not maybe a the, young the name. Man. The name is, yeah. is a little, okay, less modern. But uh, yeah, won the Golden Spikes over Ken Excellent. Griffey Jr. That's incredible. Uh, he was named the Big Ten Conference Player of the Year his next season in 1988 and then went and threw a complete game victory against Japan at the Olympics. He's a stud. <laughs> I've said yeah. that like four times. He's incredible. Uh, so out of college, he got drafted by the California Angels. Go back to that name with the eighth overall pick of the 1988 draft. Uh, actually got a two hundred and seven thousand nice. dollar bonus. Uh, so how's that for betting on yourself? You made about uh, one hundred fifty seven thousand dollars. Still, people doubted him. So he joins the Angels in 1989 as a rookie. He actually makes the starting rotation. Now, many people thought it was a PR move mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, the Angels, well, you, you understand PR moves. Uh, so, but, you know, everyone was enthralled regardless. You know, media hounded him everywhere, like from, from his days in high school, college to the major leagues. But, you know, he actually, he handled it very masterfully. He was poised. He was very patient with everyone. Which is incredible considering he's 21 years old. 21 years old. How many 21-year-olds can can put up with with just the media frenzy yeah, nonstop? I, I know it's something he's been dealing with his whole life, and that's normal for him. But just the amount of attention then in right. the majors, it's completely different you know, and, and you, you know, there had to be days where he had a bad start on the mound, didn't throw a great game. And then people come and ask him the same questions as they always do. I, I, I and to imagine, keep your poise in that situation, yeah. like that's incredible. I can imagine the headlines newspapers had. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, and it wasn't just the media. It wasn't just fans, but players were really inspired by Jim Abbott as well. This is really cool. So Nolan Ryan actually sent him a personal message before his first start. Uh, Nolan Ryan was was one of his favorite ball players growing up. Uh, Hall of Famers Ernie Banks and Bobby Doerr actually asked for autographs. That's like, cool. imagine being like a rookie and Ernie Banks wants you to sign a baseball for him. That's yes, awesome. <laughs> and then uh, Warren Spawn actually called him his personal hero. Cool. That's incredible. Uh, so Jim Abbott, he debuted 1989 as a rookie, had a huge, huge crowd for his first start, uh, which he did end up losing, but didn't matter. He was already an inspiration. Uh, he actually, he wins his first game in his third start, and he kind of just took off and rolled from there. He actually finished the year 12 and 12 with a 392 ERA, uh, 98 uh, adjusted earned run average, hey, which is perfect. perfectly average, right? Uh, finished fifth in rookie of the year voting, I don't know how he finished so low. Like, I don't know how you watch this season and go think anyone else is more oh, deserved. Like, 1989. What is that? Giambi year. Uh, you can look that up and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll keep going. But uh, anyway, finished fifth, still excellent first, first season for any rookie uh, following season, 1990, 
honestly wasn't very good. Uh, and he was, you know, to the point where a lot of people actually called for him to be sent down to the minors, uh, reiterating this is just a publicity stunt, yada, yada, yada. However, 1991 rolls around and Jim Abbott has the finest season of his career. He finishes 18 and 11, which is incredible considering the Angels gave him like historically bad run support. Mm-hmm. Uh, finishes with a 2.89 ERA, 158 strikeouts, over 243 wow. innings. Almost those 250 innings. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody's doing that this year. Uh, finishes the year with a 142 adjusted ERA, meaning you know roughly he was 42% better than the average pitcher. Incredible. Actually finished third in Cy Young voting behind Roger Clemens, who was as we know juicing and just on another planet. And uh, Scott Erickson, who I have no idea who that is, if I'm being perfectly honest. (laughs) Do you know who Scott Erickson is? Well, he's 1991 Cy Young runner-up Scott Erickson, man. I I feel bad. If Scott Erickson, (laughs) if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm going to go find a baseball card of yours, and I'm going to really commit myself. There you go. Uh, Next episode. what Scott I find Erickson. what I find most hilarious about this incredible 1991 season is that so so Jim Abbott uh, pitching for the Angels they have a designated hitter at this time, uh, however in sp- spring training they didn't always use one so he actually got some plate appearances in the spring. Perfect. They are playing in a game against the San Francisco Giants and Jim Abbott steps into the box and ropes a triple, and then for the entire rest of it the season. Right. The entire rest of the season, he wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> like all his teammates were talking about, yeah, he just all, just keeps talking about this triple he hit in spring training, which makes That's... me laugh so hard because that is such a pitcher thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can see Jim Abbott sitting down with some teammates struggling because here's what you do and pull up a yeah. video of him still hitting a triple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, this, my first thought was Zach Granke. <laughs> first, my first thought, and I just I love how I just love that little bit of like culture you know the pitchers they get a hit in their their bamers now that's that's what it is when pitchers hit the ball it's it's (laughs) culture ladies and gentlemen we just lost a lot yeah come on sorry we we did uh he got married in 1991 uh to danny dowdy very cool uh and then his following season 1992 had another excellent year but it was also one of those years that we gained greater appreciation for in retrospect Mm -hmm. so the angels his team garbage angels were abysmal they gave him the weakest run support since the creation of the designated hitter do you know how bad that is that's horrible it's not great (laughs) it's not great uh but so he ended up finishing seven and 15 because his team couldn't buy a run for him but he finished with a fantastic 277 era better than the season before when he finished top three in Cy young voting had a 143 era plus which is like the same and uh over 211 innings pitched so just back to back, not his fault. He was yeah. An, yeah, no, back to back years where he was an ace. He was a bona fide monster on the mound. Uh, now he wasn't, like I said, the Angels weren't very good, and he uh, they had some contract disputes following 1992, and he wanted a longer term deal that they weren't w- really willing, or they weren't at least mm. in a place to give him. So the Angels ended up shipping him out to New York to play for the Yankees. Uh, so in 1993, his first season with the Yankees, he wasn't very good. Uh, he went 11 and 14, 437 ERA, which was up more than a full point from the first his previous season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 95 ERA plus, so he's okay. uh, right. a yeah. little below sure. average, but still, still right there. For the 93 Yankees, that's fine. Yeah, but essentially, it was a largely forgettable season. However, this was the year he did something legendary. One of baseball's greatest moments came on September 4th, <laughs> 1993. Here we go. The Yankees were fighting for the division in the last month of the season, playing Cleveland, and Jim Abbott was on the bump. 
27,125 people were in the stands, <laughs> oblivious to the fact that they were about to witness a miracle. Now, this Cleveland team just pops up all the time on this podcast, and I don't know why. That's our other our, our other uh, uh, in running joke, the I guess, right? Like, Cleveland team, like yeah. We're back to the 90s Cleveland team. I think last time we talked about it was Short Hops Live uh, with the Bat Heist. The Bat Heist, yep. Uh, now, this is 93. They would go on to do that heist in 94. So if you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. It's really fun. Uh, anyway... Uh, just to reiterate, this team was was stacked. They had Kenny Lofton, Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez, mm. Jim Tomei, Carlos Bayergo was pretty solid. Uh, to say now, the least, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, so so Jim Abbott, he was facing a rough lineup, and it was actually a lineup that had, had beat him up pretty bad in just his previous start. They blew him up for seven runs and ten hits in just three uh, and two-thirds innings. So this is already a bunch of guys that had essentially wiped the, the floor with Jim Abbott the last time he pitched. Mm-hmm. To start the game, Abbott sent Kenny Lofton and uh, you know sent him down one, two, three on eleven pitches. So good start. Second inning did the same thing, gave up a walk but pitched around it. Went one, two, three again in the third and fourth innings. Walked another guy in the fifth, but okay. rolled a double play, got out of the jam. Uh, now he pitched around another walk in the sixth and made it to the seventh inning on 84 pitches, which is awesome. 93. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Today that's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now, uh, so he's made it to the seventh inning and the stage is set. Uh, but you know, every, every no hitter, you got to have that play, right? You know what I'm talking about, Brandon? Oh yeah. The diving catch in center field. It's not like it in every it's it's so interesting because it's every single one. But anyway, he's facing Albert Bell and he gives up. Albert Bell just rips a ground ball uh, and it, it looked sure to, to end his bid right then and there. Uh, however, Wade Boggs, may he rest mm. in peace. He he speared the ball on a dive and then throws out Bell by a half step. He preserved history. The no hitter <laughs> lives. Eighth inning, Jim Abbott comes out again and sits him down one, two, three on three fly balls. He faces Kenny Lofton again to start the ninth inning. Kenny Lofton attempted a bunt. Oh, Kenny. How do you feel about that? Do you Are you for or against bunting depends, to break up a no-hitter? It, it depends what side my team is on. Uh, <laughs> a, a Diamondback player, that's a real very answer. famous one, had a no-no hit uh, broken up by a bunt in the ninth. Um, who he didn't who like did that? Kurt Schilling. I, I didn't know that. that, yeah. that okay. He that was would, very adamant that that was not the right thing to do. Uh, but it's a game, man. You, you got you to you gotta get on somehow. I, I think it depends on the score for me. I, I think okay. like if, if you're within like five, you know, three to five runs, I, I, don't, I don't have as much of a problem with it because you got to win. You got to like you can't be concerned about preserving the opposing pitchers. But good like day. if it's a seven, nothing. If uh, you're deficit. up seven, nothing. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, that's there that's not go. cool. Um, so, yeah, I think it's contextual as anything is. But anyway, Kenny Lofton, luckily, his bunt rolls foul. Uh, he actually ends up getting Lofton to ground out weekly to the second baseman. Next batter, Bernie Williams, remember him? Uh, he hit a, a shot. I actually just watched this this ninth inning this morning on YouTube. He hit a bomb uh, to like left center, just hung up on the warning track enough for them to make the play. And then Carlos Baerga grounds out to shortstop the, the next uh, batter. And that was that. Jim Abbott has thrown a no-hitter. It was the first for the oh. Yankees since Dave Rigetti did so a decade earlier incredible wow. the only person to throw a no hitter with only one hand like i can't it's yeah. it's a fairy tale like i i just it's one of those things that like i wish i was alive to see it because 
it's it's incredible to think about that like i it's mind-blowing like i i'm like speechless <laughs> right now like i don't know how to articulate how amazing this is and, and he was almost like running out of gas it seems in the ninth inning too so you had to have yeah. those spectacular plays or the luck of a foul ball for example he he really he had to pitch around a lot it wasn't one of those tidy efficient no hitters it was right. one where he had like five walks he'd thrown like 120 the something Jackson pitches type of no hitter yeah 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 but he got it done. He can have all the ice he wants in the dugout. Uh, and later, uh, he, he ended up saying, he said, you know, I, I wish I had an incredible vocabulary to describe oh, the elation. I just felt. like you. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, he said the disbelief to see the fans jumping up and down the noise and to be in the center of all that with your teammates and to share the moment with Matt Noakes, my catcher, mm-hmm. every sense in your body is at full speed. You're just taking it all in. So really just a huge moment Feels for baseball, good. a huge moment for Jim Abbott, and a huge moment for kids everywhere. For, for humanity, really. It was a beautiful time that only George, George Steinbrenner could ruin. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. I have in the notes, a week later, George Steinbrenner showed his ass. Uh, so for those of you who don't know who George Steinbrenner is, he's the um, passionate uh, old I- owner or Old, yeah, old old owner of the Yankees. I just, I just had the thought that maybe some people don't know who George Steinbrenner I, is. That was my thought too. Maybe we, we, we should do an episode, episode come about him. On that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good one because he's a character. He's oh, definitely see, a character. Yeah. Uh, all you need to know right now is George Steinbrenner was one of, I don't know, I'd kind of compare him to like Mark Cuban, except a little a little more shady. Like, a little a more little, shady. Because yeah. I'm just coming from the standpoint of he really cared about his team and he really cared about winning. He was just also a jerk. <laughs> I'm not saying I'll, Mark Cuban's I'll, I always remember Steinbrenner on the picture when he showed the spring training dressed up as Napoleon riding a horse. That's all you need to know about George Steinbrenner. Uh-huh. So anyway, so so this guy, he has this shining moment for the Yankees. They're a game and a half out of, out of you know first place in the division. And then George Steinbrenner thought this was the time to say that Jim Abbott spent too much time working with disabled children and his charities and that he should be 100% focused on baseball. And he said that while kicking a puppy, I assume. Unhinged. That is the most unhinged statement I've ever heard. Like, what? Like, he (laughs) would be bought out by the other owners if that happened today. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) You're giving giving him too much credit. But that's just the most unhinged statement I've ever heard. His comments completely took the air out of the Yankees' sales, and they went from being a game and a half out of first place to finishing seven games back of Toronto. Anyway, that's the end of 1993. Uh, 1994, Jim Abbott, wow. roughly league average, had a 4.55 ERA, 101 ERA plus, over 160 innings. Still productive, uh, not the the superstar that he was with the mm-hmm. Angels a couple years earlier. Uh, 1995 became a free agent for the first time, signed with the Chicago White Sox, and he was good, but the Sox weren't. So he was actually traded back to the Angels midseason, uh, where he finished 1995, 11-8, 370 nice. ERA, 124 ERA plus. That's an ace right there. 96, he finally got that three-year contract with the Angels, except he was terrible. He went 2-18, and 18, which, again... The Angels weren't very good either, so not all him. Uh, went two and eighteen with a seven forty eight ERA, a sixty six ERA plus, and was even sent down to the minors for a time to work his stuff out. Uh, unfortunately, he was performed so poorly that the Angels released him with two years left on his contract, and he actually sent uh, sat out nineteen ninety seven to spend time with his family and working with yeah. his charities, which is a very admirable way to spend your year off. He mounted a comeback in 1998 with the White Sox again and actually earned a late season call up, went 5 and 0 with a 4.55 ERA. Again, 
exactly average really yeah. uh through about 30 innings uh but then he ended up signing with the brewers the following season 1999 when uh the white Sox didn't want him back uh his tenure with the brewers was very short-lived uh however there was one kind of fun uh note that i wanted to talk about he got a chance to hit for the first time yes pitchers <laughs> love it he, he got a chance to hit. He played his whole career in the American League. And on June 15th, 1999, he collected the first hit by a one-handed batter since dot, 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 uh, trivia time. Do you know who the first one-handed batter to get a hit is? It's was wild. It, this is was wild. It this Peter has happened James more than once. Gray? It, I knew it. Pete Gray of the 1945 St. <laughs> Louis Browns. I knew, I knew you'd have it. Uh, yeah, I actually didn't know who Pete Gray was before this either. So maybe we do an episode on him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really cool baseball fact that he, he wasn't the first one to get a hit, but you know, I don't know. It was interesting. Uh, well, he, he actually, had, he had Gray was an outfielder. So he had a few more chances than, Oh, he uh, was. Yep. Oh yeah. Interesting. Okay. First hit by a one handed pitcher. Uh, so he was released in July by the Brewers in 1999 and he was officially done with major league baseball. Okay. He retired after his release, finished his career with an 87 and 108 record. Thanks angels. Uh, 425 ERA 19 or excuse me, 99 ERA plus uh, over 1674 innings That's and 10 career. years of work. That is a very Solid good career. career. He, he really had one of those careers where he was very solid for a number of years and really, really good for a handful. That's, that's very, that's, that's incredible. Uh, then, uh, Jim Abbott, he began his second, uh, his second level leg of his, his life as a motivational speaker. And he continues to do today, uh, along with working for, and with multiple charities, uh, now take uh, that time, brother. It's, it's not often that a pitcher who, who goes from being essentially like a, a superstar, uh, like not often those guys retire as young as Jim Abbott did. Mm-hmm. Some, some people blamed that, uh, you know, he was tipping his pitches. Uh, and that's why batters started, started hitting him. Abbott himself refused to blame his disability, uh, for his, his fall off. And he said that his fastball really just lost velocity going from 95 miles an hour early in his career to 85 to 90 by the end. That'll do it. Like that'll 85. That'll yeah, do that's, it. that's, that's, that's a bad day. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. But um 2004 he was inducted into the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame. Very cool. cool. I think he should be in that in the the National Baseball Hall of Fame because I don't know how you how you how you hear listen to the story and don't think that that's somebody you want representing baseball. Because that's what the Hall of Fame should be. It's 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 like yeah, I understand that his career not near Hall of Fame yeah, level. I mean, I'm sure there are artifacts in You're there right. from his You're career right. in right. the Hall of Fame. You're right. You're right. Okay. That's, that's fair. But I think I'm just, I'm just going back on my soapbox saying that if people can get held out because of the character clause, they should be put let in, in let in clause. for good character, reward people being good that's people. A good points. Anyway, before we move on from Jim Abbott, I just wanted to read off a couple great quotes. Uh, and he said that uh, my experiences added up, make me feel like I've had a hall of fame career. Uh, he said that when he retired, uh, he also said, I hope that what people learn from watching me is that just because you do things differently, it doesn't mean you can't do them just as well. And finally, never allow the circumstances of your life to become an excuse. People will allow you to do it. But I believe that we have a personal obligation to make the most of the abilities we have. Well, I, I don't know about you, Noah, but I feel promptly motivated. I do. I do. Like I, this is just like an incredible, incredible story. And I think, I think this one, the Eric Davis ones where we talk about these players that have really mm-hmm. battled through adversity and, and had the, the deck st- stacked against them, but they persevere. Like 
these are my favorite stories to talk about on short hops and tall tales and i'm very glad we got a chance to do so anyway uh we will have more short hops and tall tales right after this break Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right. <laughs> welcome back from uh welcome back. It's time for the pickle jar. Pickle jar I my train of thought here. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, like you signaled to me as I, if I had like a pickle jar ready to open I'm and sorry. I, I make it's, pickle it's, sounds. I don't know. It's it's been a a long hot day out here in, uh, in California. Yeah. Um, I know I'm talking to someone from Arizona, so I immediately feel like a fool for complaining about 90 degree weather. (laughs) Anyway, we're talking the pickle jar. We're talking chin music. Chin music. This is a favorite. Okay. I know, I know you've got a, you know what it is. So I'll, 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 right. You know what it is. Okay. Oh yeah. I just Um, think of Bob Feller and Bob Gibson right away. All right. Perfect. Uh, I asked my buddy Simon, I said, Simon, what do you think chin music means? And he said, how did you get this phone number? Uh, and he actually said that he thought it was slang for popular whistling tunes among ballplayers. I thought that was cool. Very creative. Ooh, I want to know what tunes those would be, but that's that's later. Okay. So, so what, what, is it, then? what is chin music? <laughs> so actual chin music, it's uh, slang for a pitch thrown near the batter's head. So if you, you it's also, you know, uh, known as like buzzing the tower, right? You mm-hmm. know, like kind of like Top Gun. Uh, so that's, that's what it is. You throw a ball near a guy's head. That's chin music. Now it actually has a definition that is uh, independent from baseball. Uh, and, uh, that is just for meaning idle talk or mm-hmm. to actually punch someone in the jaw in American slang. Uh, so <laughs> chin music, uh, in those terms, it actually goes back at least a century and it's quoted in Stephen Crane's novel, the red badge of courage all the way back in 1895. Have you read that? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, so yeah. it pops up there. And then also uh, talking about baseball in the 1880s from the, some of the quick research I did as well. Cool. I I, I haven't. I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting it because I've never read it. I've never. Yeah, I've heard of it. But anyway, it was also quoted in Australian newspapers back in 1836. In oh, well, baseball. So, really quick. I got to backtrack yes. to uh, <laughs> Stephen Crane's Rebecca oh, no? Curse. <laughs> I know you haven't read it, but there is a great Wishbone episode on it. So I suggest checking that out. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll put it on the list. Um, in baseball, however, chin music was coined similarly around the 18 late 1800s, but it was actually used instead to describe heckling from the fans, which honestly makes so much more sense than the actual meeting mm-hmm. to me. Uh, he, uh, yeah. So it, it actually didn't get its meaning for an up and in pitch until, uh, closer to world war two. Uh, some say it's called chin music for the sound the ball makes when it buzzes past a batter's face. 
I don't think that's where it originally came from, but I think that it fits. So yeah, we'll go with why that. Not? Yeah, uh, that's chin music. Uh, hopefully we don't see too much chin music today. Uh, keep our batteries safe out there. But sometimes you got to pitch inside. You know, it's don't get them afraid. off the plate. Don't be afraid to pinch inside. Uh, anyway, that uh, that'll just about do it for our uh, opening day episode of Short Hops and Tall Tales. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott six. Uh, I'm going to do a self plug. You can also check out my bold predictions article that I just dropped. Okay. We, we did some pred- predictions at the top of this, but I put out some really stupid predictions on pitcher. I mean, spicy predictions out on pitcher list. There you so go. That's if one of those hits, I'm going to be really annoying in about uh, six months. Maybe hit a triple in spring training. Remember that? I said David Fletcher is going to hit 10 home runs. That's oh, there's no that's- way. <laughs> anyway uh subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review if you like you know help us help us reach new audiences tell your friends tell your parents tell that grumpy guy that lives at the end of your block that you're trying to start a relationship with uh anyway brandon's looking at me weird so i'm gonna close this out for brandon riddle i'm noah scott and this has been the short hops and tall tales podcast see you next time